Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Turn, Turn Row podcast. My name is Kevin, your host, and with us today is Brad. Uh, Brad, we've had you on before, haven't we, in a previous podcast? Yeah, about a year ago, yeah. Okay, okay Brad, Brad is a manager. Well, I don't think you were a manager. <laughs> At that point, you weren't a manager yet, but he's a manager in our Mount Hope division. Yep. So, um, so why don't we just give a little update in your area on things that are going on? How's um, how's harvest going, or is it done in your part of the world? Uh, ninety-five percent wheat harvested in uh, Harvey County. Um, the fields that are left uh, should get harvested this week. And then out of all the fields that were harvested, majority of them got double cropped as soybeans with some double crop milo. What were your wheel yeah. What were your wheat yields like? Um, we had some bad wheat streak mosaic in areas, and those fields uh, yielded between twenty to forty bushel an acre still. But with the other fields being sixty to eighty-five bushel an acre, depending on our soil type basically more than anything. Did you guys send any samples off? Like to, um, yeah, I, uh, I sent off two samples uh, and I had some of my coworkers send off some more and they all were confirmed with wheat streak. It was about the worst year we had seen it as far as the geography spread of it. And you guys haven't seen this much before, before this year, like this bad, uh, this widespread? Um, no, not this bad, not since probably 2012. So, see, we've had it out here in western Kansas quite a bit, and it always follows some neighbor or somebody that wants to keep cover, and yep. <laughs> you know it doesn't take care of the volunteer, and then it gets bad. It gets yep. bad. But we had um, out in my part of the world, we had a lot. We had some high plains mosaic come in, as well as wheat streak that was kind of devastating to some fields, um, as well as our dry weather. We had. We had wheat that tillered real well, but then we ran out of moisture with no rain, so we lost tillers. And then we got to about May, and then all of a sudden heat hit, and it about died. And so our yields have been anywhere from about, let's say, five bushel, clear up to 60. or 60s are going to maybe be some farm averages. There's some 90. But it's, it's a story of moisture for us, story of, of where the rain fell or where somebody got snow or stuff like that. So it's been a pretty interesting year. And we're yeah, probably, yeah. We're probably only, I would probably say 70% done as well, but we're having eastern Kansas weather. And when I say that, I mean out here in western Kansas, we don't normally get humidity. And we are this year, so people can't start cutting until about three in the afternoon and cut till about eight, and then they're done. So, <laughs> well, I mean, usually we have custom cutters come in, and they're here for almost some some years, maybe a week to two weeks, and everything's gone, and they're still here. So I imagine there's people mad in other parts of the world <laughs> where you at when we cut. Yeah. So. Now, um, how have you guys, you guys were dry early on too. Yeah, we were really dry because we thought we might lose the wheat cropper. We got to the point some fields actually started aborting tillers until we got into May. And then May brought us cool weather and rains, and that's what saved our wheat crop in our area. 
it's been pretty abnormal. I, I don't know if yeah. I can recall a July that we've had. I can count on one hand how many hundred degree days we've had. Yeah. Know? And then for us, humidity. For us, humidity. But I mean, it's brought a lot of challenges. I think, and I imagine it is in your realm as well. Like with our corn and stuff, trying to kill weeds has been a huge challenge. Yep. No, yeah, our corn went pretty well. It was uh, all of our full season beans we have around here. Once uh, June hit and we had all those hot, dry weather, we had a heck of a time trying to get our pigweeds killed and our soybeans around here. Um, would you say you did pretty good above average, or how would you rate your, your weed control then? Um, I would still say in most fields at least 90%. Um, weed control. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, 10% can still look ugly sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah. for sure. But no, overall, really well. Um, no, we don't have really any train wrecks around this area. Um, just gonna have to live with seeing just a couple weeds here and there. Yeah, it seems to be gonna be the story for us as well. The pig yeah. has just been a bear. Um, we we got wet about the time we were trying to work ahead of planning and stuff like that. And so you have damaged weeds and then you try to go after them or yep. you miss a spray day by three days or something. And the corn came out of the ground really fast for us. I don't mm -hmm. know what it did for you, like within three to five days, it was out of the ground, even though we had, we weren't hundred, hundred degree temperatures yet. It was kind of sort of cool, but. So we were fighting that battle. The corn was popping out of the ground so fast. It was, things had to be very timely. Yeah. So, but some of our Milo fields look kind of ugly because of that, <laughs> you know, it, pigweeds are just tough. Yeah. They're just tough to kill. And then uh, you guys don't fight it as bad as we do, but it's probably, we were very, very concerned about spider mite pressure. We, we lost, um, a lot of dryland corn and edges and stuff early on with the combination of hundred degree temps and mite pressure. Yeah. Well, it was pretty rough. We thought it was going to be nasty, a nasty year, but um, with the cooler weather and the plants starting to outgrow them a little bit, it we're not as worried, I guess. So. Yeah. Typically over in our part of the state, we won't get spider mites till maybe about tassel a little bit after and it's nothing compared to the pressure that you guys get we've treated fields in the past but i'd say it's not really the norm in our area so in a in a normal year would you say that you treat like 10 fields maybe or less um in a normal year i'd probably treat one field or less <laughs> <laughs> we what we usually get pressure building up in our area um, but then we get a lot of high rainfall, and we've getting yeah. that kind of fungus that gets on the mites and kills yeah, them no. all. Sure. Um, there was two years ago, I probably did spray close to 10 fields. They mm -hmm. seem to be coming around more yearly, so it's something we always have to keep an eye on now. For sure. Gotcha. They sure like the dirty conditions, whether it's dust off a dirt road or pollen. You know, they, just, yep. they go nuts. And just yeah, and that's typically – yeah, that's typically where we've been getting it is more on our flood fields, just where we're not getting that overhead irrigation, sure. keep sure. the leaves wet. And then 
we got a couple backgrounding yards, even with the center pivot, and that's uh, where I've had to spray them for them in the past with all that dust from the feedlot. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So you mentioned um, double crop. Uh, so with with this weather, and, and I guess you've been a little bit wet, What are you just double cropping beans, or is it milo? Um, what do you got going on there? Um, majority in our area is double crop beans. We do have some double crop milo, and most of the milo is the guys that have uh, cattle. Um, that oh, way they can live and have winter pasture. Um, if I had to say number on it, I'd say pretty strong 95% double crop soybean in our area with okay. uh, double crop milo kind of just being more of a specialized deal. Okay. Um, but a lot of guys were able to get a lot of their double crop beans planted, and then we ended up with anywhere from – to two inches to 10 inches of rainfall depending oh. on the geography yeah like the day after we uh, got finished planting so now we had to assess all the stands and got some areas of replant and some areas of not sounds like a mess <laughs> yeah it is yeah yeah some of the fields that just have random mud holes across yeah. the field those yeah. are kind of total replants and then some of them are just spotting and filling in but all in all it turned out way better than it could have been so guys are in the field now trying to replant and then also finish spraying herbicide on it do you find um that it's you know since you're late enough that your pigweed pressure is worse if you miss stuff on the double crop than your fields that are just primarily beans um Usually on the double crop after wheat harvest, if we can get a residual on and get the initial flush killed, typically we're in good shape okay. with our pigweeds around here. Um, if you do miss them this time of year, they don't get six feet tall like you do if you miss them in your full season beans. Yeah, for sure. They, they kind of seem to only get about a foot tall and put on a seed head or two foot, so they don't have near the ugly appearance driving by if you do happen to miss them. But typically in our double crop, we tend to have better weed control than our first crop. We just don't get as heavy as flushes this time of year. Well, plus you have cover. Cover and yep. the, the pigweeds are fighting for sunlight. Yeah. Probably why they're spindly. Now, uh, do, you have, do you have any um, dicamba beans or, or any out this year or just yeah we have some straight extend most of that was on our um full season beans on the double crop um, we have the extend flex the dicamba liberty trait and then also have yeah. some of the e3 beans with the roundup liberty and uh 240e trade in it okay. so okay. so we got a little bit of everything getting maybe like 60 percent extend flex 40 percent e3 i got you i got you what kind of uh, yield potential do you anticipate, I guess, with a lot of your double crop beans? I know it's dependent on weather and, and stuff like that, but what would be a, a good yield in your area in a, um, in a pretty good year? Not a perfect year, but... We can still maintain a, in an average year about 25 bushel on double crop, it seems like, anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, our bean hybrids have come a long way, and they're very drought tolerant for our area. Um, now, we can on some years hit as low as 10, uh, 10 bushel an acre, but I'd say on average uh, 15 to 25. And if we get a lot of rainfall, we've hit between 30 and 45 on our double crop. It's a home run. It's a home run, yeah. <laughs> it is a home it, run. 
it's the gravy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So have you guys ever had any guys consider double cropping corn behind wheat? We have seen it some under pivot irrigation mm-hmm. um, and planted a shorter season corn. Uh, we don't, you know, maybe 150 bushel on something like that, 160 um, for a double crop corn under pivot. I've seen a couple guys do it under dry land circumstances, whether they got the seed for really cheap at the end of the year, um, different scenarios like that, or they kind of used it as a bonus cover crop and then were able to cut what they harvest, what they could. Um, I, I would say the double crop corn is just more highly variable in your yield at the end of the year and a little bit more upfront cost. It's, it's definitely tough because that plant's working so hard to get, um, you know, an ear put on that I've had some late corn out here planted that I wouldn't have ever, wouldn't have not in my wildest dreams thought that they would have planted, but they did. And the ear only got about, you know, maybe five inches long, you know, and it was like, yeah. And well, in this particular case, or typically out here, if we do it, it'll go silage. They'll just go, go, go late corn, maybe, a short season corn and then they'll chop it. But then at the last minute decided <laughs> the price was better if you cut it. Like, And then unfortunately when you do that, and I imagine it's worse in your part of the world, you have tons of earworm pressure and insect yeah. pressure that you don't have because it's the next most green object. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we tell guys in our area, if you are going to double crop corn, you have to have a Viptera trait technology Um, i would imagine this isn't probably something it's a on a situation by situation basis that double cropping corn wouldn't be like a first choice maybe yeah not a first choice in our area um it pushes your harvest really late you're waiting for the first freeze to actually shut down your corn for sure for sure but if you can hit the rainfalls i know of some dryland customers that have done it in the past I mean, and when I say highly variable, it can be as low as 10 bushel and as high as 100 on yeah. double crop dry land. So it's just a lot more risk For involved sure. in a later harvest. Right, right. Man, it just, for our dry environment, it's tough for me to even imagine, you know, harvesting. We don't know fallow is. <laughs> For sure. Fallow is that next crop that you put in. <laughs> It's followed well, for about it's followed for about a day to two days. You know, <laughs> and, and that's true, Brad. You know, like we're so arid and dry out here that um, that we, you know, it's mandatory that we have this fallow period to collect moisture to move forward. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and, and for instance, in our wheat this year, I think that we've seen it. Anybody that um, had a fallow period or continuous crop there is a difference in yield because we were so dry early on and yeah for us all the little things like that are little opportunities to collect moisture are huge yeah and we'll still even see a yield benefit whether we're going to corn or beans if we do fallow like i guess i call it fallow uh in our area but you know you may gain five to ten bush on your next crop but if you can cut 25 to 35 bushel double crop beans that's kind of a home run and offsets that cost for our area. Well, it's expensive because you still have the cost of killing weeds, whether it's iron or whether it's chemical, you know, in the fallow. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's the next thing with our higher rainfall. Um, we got to the point we started putting residuals on our wheat fallow ground just yeah. to, so we're not spraying constantly. So you can wrap up a quite a bit of herbicide cost on our wheat fallow at our area. For sure. For sure. But I, we got it down to about three sprains, you know, one, one after we harvest, maybe one in August and then one in October, basically. I just had a random thought, you know, um, on your wheat stubble, when it gets hot and dry, do you guys use a lot of Gramoxone or Paraquat to kill stuff? Yeah, we have now because nothing else that seemed to work as well as the Paraquat on our pigweeds. So we, 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 we use a lot of Paraquat. I just was thinking about, you know, we're talking about fallow and out here, once we get hot and dry like that, that's the only thing that works. You know, and it, for us, it's got to be hot because if we get humidity, then it just, you know, the plants start growing back from being burned. Yeah. Um, it's usually a mess when we're doing that. You know, you're talking pigweeds that are knee high or <laughs> it's not. It's not yeah, really. hip high. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. Sure. Yeah. Before there was a liberty shortage the prior summers and uh, fields that bordered corn, we would do like a liberty 240D on our wheat fallow and that worked really well for us with our higher humidity i got you i got you you know there's some days that i would pay for humidity for like application purposes on herbicides yeah yeah (laughs) you gotta be yeah our higher humidity is great for a lot of things but we have noticed with the heavy dews and humidity that we have we get a lot of more paraquat burn into our corn oh you do really yeah got you but you know, when you're wearing a rain suit, you don't really want humidity. Yeah, pretty much. I sell that every. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, I don't remember doing this when I uh, interned out in Western Kansas. For sure, for sure. You know, there's some days where, if we string, um, you know, hundred degree temps and get dry, I mean, you could go weeks without putting that stupid thing on. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's one of the have to's or I guess you don't have to if you if you can handle being wet and walking in the wet stuff for hours and hours. there's a couple of people that yeah don't don't wear them unless it's rain yeah I, I can't do it no I can't do it at all can't do it at all um let's see what else do we got on the agenda um so what is uh what does your bean crop look like this year? Like things growing growing well, you anticipate um good pod counts and all that? Yeah, um, yeah, we're just under our uh full season under irrigation where they're planted end of April, first part of May. They're right out of full bloom right now. Okay. Um okay. they they've gr- they've had kind of a hard growing season from starting out cold and wet in the month of May. They grew really slow, and then June was very hot, windy, and dry, and then so that kind of hindered their growth. And then just right now, we've gotten to normal growing conditions, so they're finally starting to grow. Um, I would say our straight behind corn stalks is definitely the best. Anything behind a double crop soybean got really pale and is a lot right. short. I got you. So, yeah, so that uh, rotation behind the corn stalks, the uh, beans look a lot better. I got you. Well, short beans not always a bad thing. No, it's not. No, it just scares you. 
and it, it's like, man, this was planted 45 days ago, and it's not too high. For sure, for sure, for sure. It's like these but things got to grow so we can canopy. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Now, in your part of the world, um, would you say you're 50% drilled, 50% planted, or which way do you guys go when it comes to planting beans? Or even beans? Yeah, on irrigated, uh, I would say almost more so with the planter. Um, I do have some guys that have some air seeders, um, but otherwise under the irrigated, it's probably 70% planted, 30% drilled. And then on dry land, probably about the same for me. Yeah, I got you. It's just it, uh, guys have – most of the guys have nice planters so they can get a more consistent stand. Um, then the air seeders are more of a no-till style drill. Um, they're starting to get more and more traction areas, so you'll we're seeing more drilled beans now. There has been research, you know. I think it's. I don't want to misspeak, but I think precision planning and some of these others uh, along those that line have have done research on singulation. You know, like making sure your beans are placed mm-hmm. and planted the the right depth, the right uh, spacing that you you can increase yield by doing that versus having what we call a controlled spill <laughs> and a drill. I've had drills will yield really well. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But and, and even even I, I don't know. I've got some air seeders uh, that that I've seen, but with Milo the um, stands are just it's different you know in some cases i think it would be better planted if if the opportunity was there yeah i think the whole key with that simulation on the soybeans is being able to drop lower rates at bean populations yeah for sure so you can get canopy and not worry about that yeah basically i think the simulation the huge thing on that is saving seed cost at the end of the day have you seen any advantages to narrow row spacings in your double crop or, you know, like. Uh, The big advantage is just a quicker canopy to shade out uh, basically pig weeds. I got you. Um, On some of the dry land, if you're farming really heavy clay or kind of rocky soil, we've noticed an advantage there because it'll shade the ground and keep it from cracking so bad. I got you. So the, the, the narrow rows do have a really nice fit. In in your area, have you seen any adoption in narrower rows in corn? Uh, there is a couple in the area doing some 15-inch corn and 20-inch corn, but I would say that's not the norm right now. What I mean, what would you think comp- if you were to compare the two? You know, like 30-inch corn to like 20s or 15s? Um, I, I see why they're doing it, uh, but I don't know – the guys that have been doing it, I can't say in our area that they're yielding any higher than what our 30-inch row is. I think the narrow rows kind of introduce some of their own problems in our neck of the woods. One of the main things is weed control because if you miss that, mm-hmm. your, your I'm going to call it a post-spray happens like at three-leaf, you know, whereas on 30-inch corn, you know, you can you can make that at five or six or maybe seven-leaf if you had to clean Eight. stuff up. Yeah. and we we've seen we had some guys uh, try to adapt and use twin row corn for a while Mm -hmm. and 
the disadvantage with that was at harvest time. The two plants, when they'd use a 30-inch corn head, and when they took, you know, basically the twin rows, the ears would come together and knock, and you'd have harvest loss. Mm-hmm. So there was a few guys that did that, but there, nobody's doing that anymore. Because yeah. when you have the dry weather or spider mite pressure or a stress that causes the ear shank to be weak, um, it's not good. Not good at all. Okay. Good to know. I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. I mean, we had one guy that was using a monosim planner, so the, the the spacing was equal distant on the twin row on that mm-hmm. one. So that was interesting. I mean, they got pretty precise with it. It just never it never has taken off. So Yeah. But any other weird or interesting things that have happened this year in in your part of the world Mm, not really just normal (laughs) just normal there's weird stuff every year for sure sure. yeah i mean uh, with that 10 inch rain in certain areas that have a lot of creeks and stuff um it flooded out luckily we didn't have a whole lot of damage where i'm at but a lot of debris in the field Oh, right, right. So, yeah, yeah, trees, uh, cut down trees, just everything. Well, you know, out here, we just, we don't have trees for a reason. We just <laughs> <cut>. <laughs> tear them out and plant, plant through things, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I would say out here, it's just been a, a very weird weather year. Um, we started out dry, got a few rains. And then we got abnormally cool, which helped fill wheat, but just provided different challenges. And as we always say, every year is different, but this one's been. This one's been one of the books. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, like through almost the whole month of May, we were wearing um, jackets and vests. Yeah. Almost the May and then around in my part of the state, that is highly unusual. Right. Right. Have you. seen any chemical shortages or heard of anything in your part of the world every day gotcha (laughs) um roundup's been one i guess i haven't seen it yet everybody's been able to get roundup um but it's inflated the price really high um Mm -hmm. i think it's about anywhere six to eight dollars for a quart an acre right now um go ahead the liberty has been the best shortage out in our part of the world because we double cropped so many beans in our area. So there was yeah. a real rush to get that. And then for all the extent flex on the full season. So that's been the biggest shortages. And then just um, different residual products. You know, one week they're out. They may get some more in two or three weeks. But having to be adaptable and being willing to change your recommendations on the fly when they're out of something. I, too, have heard the glyphosate or Roundup being short, but I haven't seen it either. You know, it seems like every time it goes on a recommendation, nobody said anything like, hey, we can't get it or let's change it or can we do this? Um, but I guess th- there's a lot of pre-order stuff, too, that has helped. But it, it, it makes me wonder what challenges we're going to fight for next year because it seems like yeah. we yeah, yeah. burned through a lot of supply or stored supply or – carryover supply whatever you want to call it and yeah, there won't be any carryover yeah 
that that's what I've kind of heard as uh, possible uh, supply chain issues into next year. And some of us have even wondered if maybe that's why we've seen more herbicide issues with uh, killing weeds is because we're using stuff that is, you know, has been stored in the back of a barn somewhere. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that for a fact. So. Yeah. But, it's a good excuse. <laughs> you got to blame somebody, right? If it's not yeah, the applicator, right. it's not the weeds aren't getting that tough. It's just, yeah, it's got to be the product. For sure. For sure. We didn't use the right surfactant. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting. I, I was able to go down and see uh, Ethan and and see what what they had going on in May, early May. And his comment was he would they would make recommendations or let's say they would get through their corn stuff and their uh, retailers would be like, are you done are you done he's like what what's going on and so they told him that as soon as they were done with those chemicals they were shipping them north just getting uh, getting them out of their warehouse and moving them north to keep supply and stuff and so it was more of a challenge i know for him because if if they could ship it out it was shipped out and they were always tinkering and, and changing things uh to accommodate that so oh okay that's interesting on the other end of the scale yeah something it, it's pretty interesting you don't because they're so advanced in in the growing season they start so early that yeah. that kind of stuff happens i mean he says talked to him yesterday and he said that they're going to be harvesting. They're already starting to harvest corn down there. Well, mm-hmm. not now because they've got rain, but they could be. Yeah. So, but, well, Brad, I think that's all I had. Thank you for being on the podcast. Yep. No problem. Well, as always, um, if you guys got any questions, comments, concerns, not really concerns, but if, if you, <laughs> Uh, think of any good ideas or things you'd like to hear on our podcast, please reach out to us at media at com. We're on uh, Facebook and, and Twitter. Um, and with that, we'll see you later. Our business is knowing the business of growing. We take pride in your success, being better than the